Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona, and the world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweeds Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products, accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at TumbleweedsHealthCenter.com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. I hope y'all can hear me this time. <laughs> this is not fun. <laughs> I swear it happens. Every time I, I uh, contact customer service, they're like, oh yeah? You think that show is bad? Watch this. <laughs> well, good morning, Grand Island. How y'all doing over there? Way, 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 way over there. <laughs> What's going on this morning? How's everybody? All right. Well, welcome. Welcome, welcome to Wednesday, Wednesday for the bestie. It is July 777 and 171 days until Christmas. She loves Christmas. I do not. <laughs> Me and her dad used to laugh every year. We'd be like, all right, 172 days until it's over. <laughs> Good time. All right, how is everybody doing out there? It's a beautiful morning. It's a beautiful morning. It's going to be hot, though, today. It's always it's always hot here. Let's see. What is our weather going to be today? It's going to be 100 and something, I think, 105 or 106. Uh, 106. Oh, ooh. yeah, that's hot. I didn't really think it was gonna be that hot. Yeah, 106. All right. So, what are you all smoking out there? I got some uh, purple Hulk I grew that I can finally say that. Because we're allowed to now. Six plants, guys. Get some autos done in 60 days. Yeah, and they are the bomb. Um, and always, I think there's some OG Kush in there. Yep. That for OG Kush. Um, and some decaf coffee. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to listen to a little more of Doug Fine today. Woo-hoo. And uh, also, we're going to report a little bit on the news. But first, we want to give a shout out to Tumbleweed Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come on down. Get certified Monday through Saturday, Monday to Friday, 10 to 6, and Saturdays are 10 to 3, uh, unless there's like a holiday or something going on. And then you can call in and check and all that good stuff. Check the website at tumbleweedshealthcenter.com. Uh, we'd also like to give a shout out to the Grower's House at 3635 East 34th Street. Get on down there for all your growing needs, growershouse.com. And then also... Um, if you go if you go to the radio section and you scroll down, you can see our sponsors right there. We got Ten Buds and CBDBS and Kenna Health Online Digital Magazine. Uh, you don't have to go anywhere but where you are to check this out. Kenna Health is a digital magazine focused on knowledge, safe access, and advocacy, with a monthly subscription readership. It's loaded with scientific and clinical articles from various healthcare professionals. 
profiles of cannabis clinics offering safe access to medicines, national and local organizations open to the public, and real-life patient success stories. It's free to subscribe, so don't miss another issue of Canna Health. Yep, and you can get there right from the website. Ooh, let's go. <laughs> Just click the uh, logo there, and you get right there. Now, if you want to know what conditions qualify you for a medical cannabis card, you get to run over to the certification section on tumbleweedshealthcenter.com. And the qualifications are PTSD, cancer, uh, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain, nausea, seizures, uh, all types of seizures, including epilepsy, uh, HIV, Hep C, ALS, Crohn's disease, agitation of Alzheimer's, which we know there's 28 or 29 different types of Alzheimer's, and then, you know, um, part of that's dementia, so it, it covers a whole range in there. Cachexia or wasting syndrome, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis. That covers Parkinson's and things like that. You are eligible for a medical cannabis card if you suffer from a chronic or debilitating disease or a medical condition or just the treatment for a chronic or debilitating disease or medical condition that causes any of the above conditions and more. So if you don't have something, I mean, if you have something that's not on the list but it's causing something on the list, then you can get your medical cannabis card. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification, health, and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can email thctucson at gmail.com. If you go to the website, there's ways to get uh, uh, contact us there. You can ask questions on a little form at the bottom of the first page there, and we will respond or just call you right up and say, what's going on in the kitchen? All right. So let's see what's happening. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Fourth of July, <laughs> um, I actually was handing out uh, CBD treats um, to my neighbors. They came up, you know, I'd see them in the neighborhood and, and ask them if their dogs were okay or their pets were okay. And some were and some weren't. So I gave some to those that weren't. Uh, but there is a uh, FDA warning against unregulated CBD products for dog uh, anxiety amid the fireworks. So imagine, you know, poor thing, you go to try and relieve anxiety and you end up giving it something that, that causes it. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FDA, Center for Veterinary Medicine, sounded the alarm on Thursday, pleading with pet owners to avoid using unregulated CBD products for dogs dealing with anxiety due to scary fireworks. Um, fireworks have long been recognized as an anxiety trigger for dogs, especially those that already have an anxiety-related condition. Dogs are typically known for their olfactory prowess. However, according to Smithsonian Magazine, dogs hear more than twice as many frequencies and sound as humans, oh my lord, providing an explanation for their behavior on the 4th of July. They can also hear sounds four times farther away than humans. To a dog, a crashing boom could sound like an explosion or some other type of calamity. Well, 4th of July can be a noisy and stressful time for dogs. The FDA Center for Veterinary Medicine tweeted Thursday, quote, ask your vet about the right way to help relieve your dog's stress through behavior modification or an FDA-approved drug for sedation <clears throat> or to treat noise aversion. Huh. But the FDA felt the need to call out one popular anxiety remedy by name, CBD which is commonly used to treat anxiety in dogs and cats, often marketed as pe uh, pet treat. Quote, there's a lot of talk about CBD for treating dogs who react to loud noises. You should be aware that FDA has not evaluated these products and can't say whether they are safe or effective, how they are manufactured, or whether they contain CBD, quote. Uh, Keep in mind that this is the third time the FDA has issued a similar warning ahead of July 4th celebrations, meaning that the organization just admitted that it's 
still hasn't done its job to evaluate CBD products for their safety, even after three years of warning. Huh. The point, folks, one real reason to listen to the FDA is that many pet products that claim to be... Oh, sorry, folks. A bird just hit my window. Ugh. I hate that. Just scared the heck out of me. A, and the poor little thing probably just... They just get stunned and they sit on the ground. Oh, my gosh. So, um... <coughs> So, one reason to listen to the FDA is that many pet products that claim to be infused with CBD contain no CBD at all, and according to the Associated Press. Online uh, grifters will sell bottles of CBD oil for well over $50 to people who fall prey to their scheme. While research is uh, young, early data suggests that CBD could be effective for certain pet-related conditions, perhaps more in dogs than in cats. CBD-rich uh, hemp nutraceuticals appear to be safe and healthy. Uh, in adult dogs, researchers wrote in an examination of CBD safety profile for use against anxiety, seizures, cancer, and pain. <clears throat> in July 2018, the first clinical study to measure the efficacy of hemp-derived CBD on dogs was published in Frontiers uh, in uh, Frontiers in Veterinary Science. In this case, in this case, for dogs living with arthritis, several more studies have explored different potential benefits. Um, and, yeah, the FDA is standing in the way of progress. CBD-infused pet treats are widely available, especially after the 2018 Farm Bill was put into place. But that's not to say that the FDA tolerates them to the fullest degree. For instance, the FDA is notorious, notoriously strict about medical plans, both for humans and pets. Benefits from CBD pet treats are not yet proven in dogs nor cats. Less than a month after the United States Department of Agriculture, USDA, published draft final rules to allow for the production and interstate shipment of hemp-derived CBD products through the, uh, throughout the country. The FDA wished issued warning letters to no fewer than 13 companies in nine states for selling pet treats or food infused with CBD. Quote, the FDA is also um, indicating today that it cannot conclude that CBD is generally recognized as safe, GRAS, among qualified experts for its use in uh, human or animal food, while generally recognized as safe grass. <laughs> For the time being, hemp-derived CBD treats marketed to both dogs and cats can be found freely across the Internet, in convenience stores, and in dispensaries in multiple states. Pet owners are encouraged to designate a safe haven to keep your dogs calm during the onslaught of fireworks this holiday. Dogs can also be... <clears throat> can also be slowly desensitized to firework noises once they get used to hearing them repeatedly. Well, I don't know. Uh, dogs that have anxiety and, and they hear, you know, two and a half times more frequencies than humans do. Could you imagine? I think that would actually be kind of bitching. <laughs> But to hear four miles, I think you're four miles away. Holy cow. Or should I say, holy dog. Are we still there? Yep. Can you hear me now? Yep. All right. Can you hear me now? All righty then. You guys are kind of getting quieter and quieter. They must be eating some brownies over there. Okay. So we'll see what else is going on in the world. Uh, if you, <clears throat> we do have some guests coming up. Um, I didn't want to have anyone on air today because I was uh, very tired from having fun on a movie set yesterday. And uh, But it, I was up way too early <laughs> and didn't have to be. <laughs> Standing out there in a full cowgirl outfit, pants, boots, vest, shirt, hat. I was a shoe shine girl. Everybody was handing us water like all day, and you just sweat it out. I mean, they could you could drink a whole bottle of water, but you in the next ten minutes you just sweat it out. <laughs> so they made sure it was very smart. They made sure to. Uh, also have electrolyte drinks on hand. Yeah, golf clap for those baby Gatorades. And I have vitamin water, the the um, the uh, 
person in charge of first aid was very, very happy I brought this gargantuan jug of like, I don't know, it's probably like a gallon worth of water and ice and vitamin water mixture because you do. And then I have a little pint thing I carry around that looks like it's a little uh, baby ceramic jug. It's awesome. And that's also got vitamin water in it. Yes, that's the hydrating. Thank you for checking. Um, all right. So <clears throat> here's an interesting article. Because um, people tend to compare cigarettes and, or tobacco in any form with cannabis. So here's an article that is claiming, this is from azmarijuana.com, marijuana users exposed to fewer toxin, uh, toxins than tobacco users. Okay, people who exclusively smoke marijuana possess a reduced level of exposure to harmful toxicants and carcinogens than do those who smoke tobacco cigarettes, according to clinical data published in the journal Nicotine and Tobacco Research. Wow, there you go. A team of researchers affiliated with the University of Wisconsin and the University of Minnesota assessed differences in toxicant exposures among cannabis-only smokers, tobacco-only smokers, and subjects who routinely smoked both substances. They reported that those participants who only smoked cannabis demonstrated lower levels of toxicant exposure for, uh, for most biomarkers as compared to those uh, subjects who smoke tobacco only and or cannabis and tobacco. Authors further reported that co-users of cannabis and tobacco did not uh, possess greater exposure to harmful constituents as compared to those who only smoked tobacco. Authors speculated that the disparity in subjects' exposure to harmful toxins uh, may, do, may be due in part due to differences in the frequency in which the cannabis only smokers consume the substance as compared to tobacco only smokers. That's true. Um, I, you know, I smoke my bong, and uh, but I don't do it all day long. Maybe a couple times a day, or even at night, I just use a little pipe, so I'm not getting that that big of a hit. So, tobacco smokers tend to smoke like all damn day, uh, all day long, all the live long day. <laughs> Okay, the study's findings are consistent with prior research concluding that cannabis smoke and tobacco smoke are likely not equally carcinogenic and that marijuana smoke exposure is typically not associated with the same type of deleterious effects, oh, deleterious effects to health as is tobacco smoke exposure, Normal noted. And moreover, the use of vaporization technology, which Heat herbal cannabis to set a temperature below the point of combustion is associated with reduced exposure to toxic gases and has been identified as, quote, safe and effective, quote, cannabis delivery device in clinical trial settings. There you go. Well, we all knew that already, but, you know, it's very, very, very difficult for people to change their ways of thinking, when, it, especially when it comes to, to smoking weed. You know, it's still, you know, smoking is still that whole on ooh kind of thing um, <clears throat> amongst, you know, people that don't smoke <laughs> anyway. But still, people that, um, like, we get the uh, the more mature clients come to our health center, um, mature in age, let's say, because we know there's not everybody so mature out there. But they tend to and things like old school, it's something they can swallow and call it a day. Um, now, we do have to know the benefits of either smoking or vaping. It's instant, like bam. And then if you use an oil tincture on the tongue or you can suck on a candy or something, that would get into some uh, really quickly because of all the membranes um, in, your, in your mouth that absorb super fast and get your system um, anywho, let's see, do we have any chatters out there? I asked somebody that was calling marijuana and all these things and that's pretty cancer. Oh, it's not there. See if anybody's on the air with us today. Listen, we say Wednesday. All right. And thank you to Temple Wheel Center if you want to get certified. Our country.
chronic conditions holding you back from a happy, healthy life, get on the right track with Tumbleweed Health Center. Our CBD products are formulated to fit your healthy lifestyle. I would definitely say that CBD has changed my life. I mean, I don't worry about my dog anymore, and I don't worry about sleeping anymore. Tumbleweed Health Center, voted number one health center in Tucson, has created a proprietary number of CBD brands, each designed to promote health and well-being. Let Tumbleweed Health Center show you how CBD products might help you improve your life the natural way. Yeah, come in and check us out. Uh, meet our, our staff and our doctor. You can all come down um, and have a cannabis consultation if you want. Um, if you can talk, this is most people want to talk about it is the medications that are on now. Oh, where are you guys? <laughs> You're asleep. That's where you are. Um, yeah, they, they want to talk about the medication that they're using and or affect the medicine to make it affect them in any certain way. So uh, come on down 4026 East Broadway Boulevard. And um, you can actually, if you want to <clears throat> do telemedicine, um, you can fill out our telemedicine form online. I will be working on making that form filling out process easier. For some reason, um, the, the software we use is not letting us uh, um, update. It's not updated and it won't. We can't download your documents. So, welcome back to you guys. Grand Island. Good afternoon, I should say. You guys are ready for lunch, aren't you? Uh, yeah, it's way late over there. Still trying to decide what's for breakfast. All right. Uh, okay, let's see what else is going on in the world. We are going to um, get to listen to some more of uh, Doug Fine's book and... Um, we're going to read, oh, I want to read about this. South Dakota tribes and advocates continue to push for legal cannabis. So why aren't they getting it? South Dakota's Native American tribes uh, not only legally opened a medical cannabis dispensary without consulting the state, but this past week, advocates also filed four different recreational legalization initiatives for consideration on the ballot later this year. The Flandreau Santi Sioux tribe was the first tribe in the nation to legalize cannabis following a memo published by the Department of Justice in 2014. Even though medical cannabis is legal in um, South Dakota now, as of July 1st, 2021, sales aren't expected to begin until July 1st, 2022, due to Governor Christine, uh, no, no, sorry, not having enough time to, quote, study the issue and implement a program, quote, she said in February, according to the Association. Uh, however, the res this restriction didn't stop the tribe from bringing medical cannabis to its reservation. The tribe pursued this action without getting it approved by the state first, which is within their right. Quote, the grand opening of the Flandreau Sioux tribe's native nation's dispensary went very well, and customers have flooded the dispensaries all day, uh, the attorney for the tribe said uh, <clears throat> to Native News Online. Uh, Attorney General Seth Perman, uh, quote, the tribe is confident that the regulatory structure it put in place will create a safe product that will benefit customers, quote. The Flandreau Santee Sioux tribe states that under tribal law, patients must have a valid medical cannabis ID card, which will be different than the uh, state's medical cannabis program ID card. This creates some gray areas for the members, but governor, uh, but the governors released a press statement ensuring that tribe members would be protected. Quote, the non-resident card provi uh, provision applies in this instance so long as the cardholder is an enrolled tribal member and presents an unexpired medical cannabis card issued by the resident tribe, quote, she said in a press release. Low-quality cannabis Offenses should no longer be an issue of concern for those carrying three ounces of cannabis or less, regardless if they are a tribe member or not. Uh, South Dakota doesn't want to wait, although residents in the uh, rest of the state will have to wait until next year for the medical cannabis program to roll out. Advocates are already hot on the heels of change with not just one, but four potential recreational cannabis-related ballot initiatives. Advocates filed the four initiatives with the Legislative Research Council and will continue to pursue uh, pushing the bills onto the November 2021 ballots. However, there's a bit of a hiccup. 
at the moment with the state's amendment a initiative which was passed by voters in november 2020 and would have legalized recreational cannabis if it wasn't shut down in court in february it is currently being debated in the south dakota supreme court on the grounds whether or not recreational cannabis should have become legal as of july 1st february ruling decided that amendment a would be struck down because quote it violated the state's requirement that constitutional amendments deal with just one subject quote if the supreme court decides not to override the february ruling for amendment a the advocates most recent uh, four initiatives will press on quote if amendment a is fully restored by the south dakota supreme court then we would not move forward with these initiatives said marijuana policy project uh, Deputy Director in South Dakotans for Better Marijuana Laws Campaign Director Matthew Swish. Quote, if Amendment A is struck down, then we want the option of returning to the ballot next year. We are filing these initiatives now because the deadline for completing a signature drive is uh, quickly approaching. Quote, these four cannabis initiatives are similar, each addressing slightly different approaches to legalization efforts with the hopes that one of them will advance to the ballot later this year. This includes rules on possession, personal cultivation, public consumption, establishing ruling government bodies, and much more. So, all right, well, South Dakota, um, there you have it. Good luck, guys. I hope you guys get to get to grow your own and do your own thing, because you should. I mean, come on. You know what else we should be able to do right now? I'll be blazing and smoking it, about to go and get some munchies next Passing up on those cracker jacks, Reese's pizzas are where it's at Gotta get me some soda pop, cotton mouth has been creeping up I can't remember where I put my keys, yeah, that's what's up I'ma take your grandpa's ride, I'ma take your grandpa's ride No, for real, ask your grandpa, can I take a 65? Seville cruising to my local Publix Nothing better than rolling with two super fly chicks They have frozen burritos, I bought frozen burritos I bought some Ben and Jerry's, and then I bought some Cheetos Hello, hello, my main man Obama. A couple states have just reformed their laws on marijuana. What you gonna do? Send the feds there? Hell no. The DEA's will be like, ah, oh, they got volcano. I'm gonna smoke some weed. Only got twenty dollars in my pocket. I'm a hunt, looking for a pot shop. This is fucking know about the science of marijuana what you know about people suffering from glaucoma they need it they need it it helps them with their condition if you don't believe me then just ask some eye physicians thank your granddad for voting for that guy richard nixon is the president who made the plant illegal but science is now showing that it's medicine for people and the private sector fighting to keep all of that illegal alcohol and tobacco pharmaceutical prisons i'll take those four major lobby groups and fight those motherfuckers they're making money day and night all those motherfuckers and bribing congress out of sight all those motherfuckers They'd be like, oh, it's immoral and unhealthy I'm like, how many people are you making wealth? Anti-marijuana lobbies are making all kinds of profits And they don't want you to stop it because of all the special interests I call that getting swindled and pimped shit I call that getting tricked by the government That law's hella old So it's time to update it, regulate it, and then get it under state control Peak game, look into my political telescope Think it's gonna stay like this forever? Not hella won't Not hella won't Being a hypocrite, you used to smoke weed. I'm gonna smoke some weed. Only got twenty dollars in my pocket. I'm a hunt, looking for a pot shop. This is fucking awesome. This 
But given that I still have an entire bottled harvest to market, I have to think about these other things. As Margaret's Law reminds us, there is no part of the process the modern farmer entrepreneur can ignore. Just as we have a long season of farming ahead comes spring, so we have an intense year of policy work to tackle. Which is to say, I've got my eye on the prize. I'm just allowing myself to play the dogged tortoise in my entrepreneurial work. Which feels good from a secreting of happiness chemicals perspective. I'm cautiously optimistic about the payoff, both personally and for the wider regenerative craft industry. If we stick at it and minimize hypocrisy in our processes, I think many of us who identify ours as regenerative enterprises will thrive. We stay genuine most effectively by consciously connecting the dots in our work and our lives, even as we create our brands according to the gospel of Dolly. The connecting the dots concept is very simple. Live your brand. Don't phone it in with half-assed greenwashing, or if you're an investor, think of it as one of your purely absentee financial ventures of the 20th century kind. Happily, regenerative farming and production and regional distribution appear to be the best routes to bottom line success for the long term. Our business practices are our killer app. It's what we do that's phenomenal. Yeah. Epilogue. Amen. The regenerative entrepreneur. All right. To be happy at home, Samuel Johnson. During my conversation with the Vermont trooper at processing time, he'd asked me what I do for a living. Hmm. A lot of people wonder. Some guess Amish carpenter. Some guess hmm. grunge drummer. Oh, good one. Soil farmer, I said. Soy farmer? Soil. Soil building. I work for healthy yields and crops. <laughs> he looked thoughtfully at my New Mexico license, then at the 50 pounds of cannabis flour in the back seat. Then at the icy crust of snow he just stomped through to reach my rig. He said, you must really care about soil. It occurred to me a few hours later as I crunched to a former Vermont girls camp kitchen for the 13th time, just so I could process hemp by a time-consuming method, that the trooper had nailed it. That's the starting point for connecting the dots in any regenerative enterprise. No one has a problem with a promising bottom line. Hemp, globally, is going to be worth $13 billion by 2026. But it's bottom line with a mission. I'm trying to sequester carbon. We who care all care for our own reasons. We all have a dog in this fight. I have a goat. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that my family's lives have now been directly threatened by the climate situation. Over the course of the five weeks that the 2013 wildfire crept toward the four people and various furry creatures for whose safety I am responsible, I slowly woke to the gravity of the mission. Praying for rain in the most primeval way from his porch each morning as he watches certain destruction approach will start to awaken a fellow, especially when he can't do a thing but pack but it's when a terrified bear sends his family hustling for safety before mauling his goats in front of his eyes that it becomes personal. I have to say I was pleased with the responses of every one of my family members to that this is not a drill morning. It being June in New Mexico, we had slept outside in the big family tent we set up near the hammocks between the ranch house and the goat corral. In the pre-monsoon heat, its mesh roof is a blessing, even before you add the New Mexico night sky. I fell asleep in a tranquil idol of meteors and poo stories, and woke at dawn to galloping goat hoofs and chickens. This was not the normal start of day song. The only human awake, I unzipped my window flap and migrated over ten seconds from as quiet as my mind ever gets to red alert. A large brown mass was scaling our eight-foot goat corral fence like a ladder. Before another 20 seconds had passed, we had our game plan sketched out and executed. Sweetheart brings human kids into house, then looks for gun case key. We never found it. 
South goes and makes loud primate noises such as one would make to scare off a bear. I bounded down to the horrible scene of my friends being killed, worked into a froth. I shook the corral fence, grabbed and threw a shovel over it, and generally danced around. You know how it is when you're five feet from a black bear screaming at him to let him know you mean business. It didn't work for about ten minutes, which was when my sweetheart called me up to the house and suggested I drive our vegetable oil-powered F-250 over to the corral and lay on the horn. After that came a lull in the attack. We'd exiled the bear to a meadow just north of the ranch for what turned out to be 12 hours. I didn't know how much time we had, so my sweetheart and I hauled gear to the corral and tended to wounded goats, battlefront triage style. Natalie Merchant, who had given us so much milk and was my primary morning meditation partner, was hollering something awful. My sweetheart and I locked eyes and realized at that moment that our family's survival depends on mitigating climate change. We've been working on it ever since. Connecting the dots in our work and lives. Your family's survival depends on tackling the climate reality too, but you probably know that. That means, sure, cultivating hemp and sister crops widely or passionately supporting those who do. That's a major piece of the puzzle and one of the fun parts. The puzzle's instructions are figure out a way to work regenerative principles into the immediate mission-critical mindset of all industrial enterprises on the planet while educating the mainstream customer to seek the resulting products. I don't think it's too much of a leap to plan for a broadly aware, farmer-centric buying public. Already there is widespread consumer awareness, for instance, that factory chicken eggs produced by ill-treated animals, harvested by indentured farmers and shipped thousands of miles, aren't actually cheaper than local organic eggs. Our task is to map that awareness onto hemp grown outdoors by regional family farmers. <clears throat> yes, wartime mindset is required, even though the work is peaceful. And everyone needs their personal climate Pearl Harbor. It looks like it won't be necessary to drop a terrified bear into everyone's backyard to get them into the unified spirit. The constant stream of fire, flood, hurricane, and tsunami chaos may well prove a catalyst for the sufficiently seamless migration to a regenerative economy. If the agricultural philosophy and techniques we're spearheading catch on, if the carbon gets sequestered, the plastic crap replaced, the batteries renewable, we're in time. There's no way I could let up even if I wanted to. The 2013 silver fire, as the Forest Service calls it, still resonates. I have to drive through its skeleton every time I leave the ranch for the wider world. For miles upon miles, entire hillsides are torched but impressively recovering. Starting about last year, the fifth anniversary of the blaze, I began seeing a wildflower palette spread across the char. This spring, as we hike at high altitudes, we can trace the next stages of a ponderosa pine forest cycle. Mountain mahogany, three-leaf sumac, and along the creeks, alder, all doing the same thing you and I are, building soil. A forest ecosystem cycle is, like all systems that have endured for tens of millions of years, a regenerative one. Both fire and a tree's response to it were programmed into the system long before humans entered the game, thanks to lightning. The forest has been to this fire carnival before, and it normally takes 250 to 1,000 years to recover from a fire like the Silver Fire. The difference is that lately, since coal burning, humanity's systemic choices exacerbate routine cyclical events into millennial ones. In the southwest high desert, our once reliable monsoon season would provide 40% of our watershed's annual precipitation. Daily afternoon thunderstorms are supposed to begin in early July and peak in August. I'd say that happens every third year lately. Old-timers tell me my own ranch's creek used to run nearly year-round. Now it runs maybe a month out of the year. 
It's an event when it does. As in, creeks running, we'll pick up this math lesson later. September is our spring. A wildflower dreamscape rises from the arroyos and buttes. It's magnificent. You haven't lived until you've smelled a desert willow in bloom or nibbled on a lemonade berry or watched a sphinx moth get drunk on datura nectar at midnight. Now, with our seasonal arc disrupted and erratic, extended dry conditions allow bark beetles to weaken millions of the majestic fragrant ponderosas that surround the Funky Butte Ranch. The trees, some three centuries old, die where they stand, leaving mountainsides of brown-needled fuses, waiting. I recognize we might be getting numb to these kind of stats, but as I type six years after the fire, 2019 has been the second hottest April in 139 years of record-keeping, according to NASA. Carbon was measured at ho-hum 415 parts per million that month. First time in three million years. We're number one. Beyond the morning the bear came to breakfast, this climate change is not academic for me. It has changed life on the ranch forever. Some mornings when I stumble half-conscious to the corral for milking, the hair on the back of my neck stands while I snap into a sort of ancient watchfulness mode for a few moments, like a dog sniffing the air. We all want our families to be safe, helpful. That's why we work. Doesn't matter if you're a farmer or a real estate attorney. The issue is whether you're looking ahead one fiscal quarter or seven generations. Giving dang is the seed ingredient in this industry. I'd like to petition Ms. Parton to add this postscript to her mantra. In addition to first, better, or different, you've also got to be the most unflinchingly dedicated to achieving your calling which calling is tied into the greater regenerative mission or something more concise, maybe first, better, or different, plus kind. Mm. I'm setting it down here for the record, and I guess we'll see. A regenerative model is going to win in the coming economy. Folks who insist on what we wrongly today call conventional farming or wider industrial techniques, I predict, are going to be left in their own toxic dust they won't be able to compete in productivity or quality. Humans experimented with unrestrained harvesting of our divinely given resources. We saw that it didn't work. Easy fix. At every level of society and economy, as individuals, parents, entrepreneurs, investors, dinner eaters, we're mm. shifting into post-Pearl Harbor single-mindedness. Mm. Ninth inning, two outs. Connecting the dots starts at home because everything starts at home. Here on the ranch, we milk goats to reduce the carbon miles in our milk, yogurt, and cheese. But twice in the past dozen years, we've scaled down the herd to allow us to travel together more often. That means buying dairy again, albeit from neighbors. What can we do besides try to improve to keep edging forward with baby steps? The journey is a life and career long one. And on the business side, too, no mortal is at the promised land unless her delivery vans run on solar-charged hemp batteries and every farmer in the operation is living the worry-free good life. Myself, I've long been engaged in a personal hypocrisy reduction project. I stand ready to be educated in the inevitable areas where I or an enterprise of mine can take it up a notch. Man, solar-powered electric commercial air travel sure will help my carbon footprint. All this consumer side stuff from righteous product labeling to not ordering company t-shirts made by Bangladeshi children is going to seem so laughably obvious in 20 years. It's a modern rite of passage. One day we all wake up and realize, wow, all my stuff was made somewhere. I wonder by whom. I wonder what's in it. Carrying that awakening to the production side, what we regenerative hemp entrepreneurs offer is such a change in our manner of interacting with the earth that simply demonstrating our principles in our products embodies a successful strategy at this stage. This is why I would love to see as many of us as possible succeed to still be in it and living well and sequestering carbon in seven decades and generations. That's when 30% of Americans will be making a dentist neighborhood living from independent farming. For the moment, we're still an agricultural and industrial
we have 7 billion people to feed, house, and clothe. So every hemp sale is a sale for my enterprise and yours, probably for five more years at least, maybe 10. Collectively, we're a plane flying a banner over a crowded beach reading, Hemp Cannabis is open for business, everyone. Ask around. Know your farmer. If you worry about facing judgment for leaping in unprepared, then start small. I love it when someone tells me, we've got a baby on the way. We just got out of debt. So we're going to start with three acres, but we have 20 available for next year. Just start. As Jeremy, a 25-year-old first-time Arkansan hemp farmer who helped write his state's regulations, put it when he noticed his three-acre field was, like much of Arkansas and Oklahoma in the spring of 2019, ho-hum, under five feet of flooded Arkansas River, you don't see Pop Warner football players leaping directly to the NFL. So much for plan A. That first crop might not look stellar, but I'd be willing to wager that Jeremy will still be planting hemp in five years. Examining the near future marketplace with a wider angle lens, a real sign of victory will be when those leading economic indicators you hear evaluated on the top of the hour NPR news updates no longer catalog new home starts or cost of the latest bailout, but rather inches of soil rebuilt and number of regenerative agriculture sector jobs created. Then, maybe, millennial events will occur once a millennium again. Lollygagging is a family practice. Representatives from the valley's honeybees and at least four species of native bees circled closely around us as my family and I dropped the first seeds into ranch soil at the end of May. 2019, we gave a formal prayer of thanks. The dogs panted patiently under a walnut. The time-lapse camera was rolling. Planting our first home hemp crop was a very big moment for us. This is where our sons were born. But it was the sheer number and variety of bees that kept grabbing our attention. They ranged from housefly-sized to small delivery drones. We talk about saving the bees, but I didn't realize how fast it would happen. The blindingly bright leaf cutters kept tunneling their homes all around the ranch house. As folks do with turtle nests in the tropics, we set up warning signs and danced around them. And as with the turtles on a resort beach, we kind of wondered, why right here? These solitary native bees are surrounded by two million acres of wilderness. So there's something they like about raising a family close to us, even with wrestling dogs and goat kids and human kids. I think they might feel they are taking care of us. Maybe they have a Save the Humans campaign going. They sure work hard in our garden. We love Waro back home after a day drinking cat mint, whorehound, lavender, and bee balm. And any day now, hemp. We keep trying to film them digging in slow-mo. The prayer done, we started working around the field, hand-planting. Almost immediately, I found myself in conversation with the local rabbit, of which the 2019 batch was stereotypically prolific. My position was basically a standing invitation to treat this crop more as an appetizer than a main course. We're overplanting, I said evenly, my mouth pressed close to one of the two softball-sized warren holes that had already opened inside our half-planted field. Just so you, the birds, the grasshoppers, can have a taste, we request that you treat this year's hemp as a sometimes food, so there's enough for everybody. This crop, if all went well, would provide a good portion of our human and goat protein for a year. Zero carbon miles, only good additives, and very few of those. I was trusting the rabbits understood the concept of pace. It was a small crop under half an acre. I'd rather not have to go through the song and dance of circling each plant with chicken wire. It also became clear in the days leading up to planting that our hemp would be sharing soil space with the native vegetation. We were in fact, unintentionally companion planting spectacle pod, whorehound, and even, shocking as it would be to Dan Townsend, mullen. 
So far, it was working out fine. Seemed like there would be room for everyone as I shook seed into my loved one's palms. The effort at interspecies cooperation set me thinking for a moment about the squabbling we're starting to see in the cannabis farming community among fans of one or another of the supposedly different sides of the plant. Obviously, as we've been discussing throughout nearly all of humanity's relationship with this plant, there have been no different sides. It's always been one plant no matter how you chose to grow it, and no matter what your intended final products. Formal THC irrelevance will make that return to equilibrium official. Communication is what's required among different styles of cultivation, old and new, and among various desired cannabinoid harvests. I mean, if rabbits can grasp this. I realized with a laugh that in my discussion with the Funky Butte Ranch leopards, I was employing the same advice I give to farmers growing the hemp cannabis plant for any application. Follow the example of farmers throughout the ages. Call your neighbors, communicate, bring your work gloves to one another's farms and learn about one another's techniques and kelp sourcing. I breathed deeply, exhaled, and let non-field issues escape through my muddy fingertips. It was easy to do. I got back to business. We were approaching June. Spring training was over, and the real season had begun. Records were being kept, which eat into cartwheel time. I try to allow for about an hour of bureaucratic BS per day. The first thunder of the season, rumbling in a long diminuendo, hints at functional monsoon. Two ravens court in a graceful daredevil routine, not far overhead, as I and my kiddos water at dusk. I'm taking a brief break to make these notes. The family crop itself is small enough that I know the quirks of each soil area. No floater delays in this field. In my twice-daily meander through the field, tucking in cakeys and tweaking drip lines, I recognize every plant. We each already have our favorites. As the desert cools this evening, I report joyfully on the progress of Magu, named for an ancient wellness goddess associated with hemp across Asia. My oldest just shouted, first serrated leaf on the purple wonder twins by the current bush. These cakeys are strong, able to stand up to searing midday desert heat. They love the sun and follow it devotedly, and to ignore some rabbit nibbles. Once again, the plant is showing me that there is nothing like the strength of hemp sprouted from seed in outdoor soil. Based on their robustly dark olive green stem rapid growth, they seem, like the bees, to feel very comfortable in their homes, which is important. The top three keys to contentment in life, the realtors correctly advise us, are location, location, and location. I'm no exception. I'm in the soil with the people I love. There's something about farming that mitigates the profound neural changes that have been brought about by our interaction with zeros and ones, or maybe even since writing. The desire to ranch and farm stayed with me through four generations of city life, suburbia, and a transatlantic steerage voyage. It is who I am at a fundamental genetic level. It's where I am healthiest. My family's life is centered on getting our fingers in the soil every day. Tomatoes, eggplant, elderberry, hemp, currant, mulberry, locust, broccoli, onion, corn, and arugula. My own fingers are browning the phone's keyboard as I type. Seems like our only hope to live this way. I can't say I'm sure of the odds, but it seems worth a try at least. Beats the pants off the alternatives. Watering and weeding the hemp field now constitute only waking life writing breaks. This book is due in 10 days. I extend my tasks here as long as possible. I can't get enough of the sudden cicada crescendos, the complex canyon wren trills, and, of course, the miracle of germination. I use two fingers to buttress a keiki emerging from the goat poop and alfalfa compost we've been building. In that motion, I accidentally brush the fuzzy back of one of the wild bees, a carter, I think. They all look so similar in the insect book. 
an earthworm hula the evening before disappearing back into the microbe condo. Nobody gives the impression of being disturbed. My eye is pulled to a green shimmer radiating glossier than any graffiti tag. Its nail polish name would be Neon Flux. Ah, it's a beetle shell, itself suggesting a spot where I start extending the radius I'm giving to this samurai plant, of which my sweetheart is particularly fond. We've named her the Hemp Yeti. She's bifurcating at the origin point of the hemp spiral we planted in this place that means everything to us. As I gently move a clump of compost in the spot suggested by the beetle shell, I find it. The white mycelia streak, a lightning bolt, a helix, a fractal. Population, 10 or 20 million, all living upper middle class mycelial lives in the highest desert landscape you've ever seen. Nurturing this fungus is something that, regardless of any entrepreneurial result, feels positive for the cosmos. For another year, the bees are here, my family eats superfood, and the soil is alive. Mm. This is a feeling all humans had until recently. Upon watching a crop come up, we will survive. I scan for my sons, thinking I'll call them over to see that our spring fungus gathering has paid off. They are off examining a curve-built thrasher nest in a choya, not even close to the headlines supposed to be tending. Strangely, I find that my greatest appreciation in this moment is endangered practice of lollygagging. It feels like a key part of the joyfulness woven into these past weeks in the field. Most of us rightly subscribe to the pop science belief that emptying your mind, at least for a few minutes, resets the creative side for when you head back to work. It's a neural yin-yang thing. We all do it because it works. A genius, she'll be delighted I'm disclosing, enjoys watching champion lip syncers. I've seen Carrie unwind by watching the Tiger Woods of snooker, Ronnie O'Sullivan, run the table. YouTube has been helpful to the modern version of this concept, but the value of zoning out was well-known prior to mobile network devices. I love watching my sons trip out on leaves in a breeze or whatever it is that captures them for six or seven minutes at a time. When we're quiet is when we most often see a member of the Fox family with whom it looks like we're going to be sharing our hemp and tomato crops this season. Plenty, plenty, plenty to go around. In the final analysis, that's what regenerative living is. The rejection of us or them. And of worry. How did the stress and the overscheduling happen? Many, of course, blame the mobile network devices themselves. Regardless of the cause, neural recharging is real. It's why I so appreciate its encoding in a day of rest. Otherwise, there's no end. It's always hemp o'clock somewhere. I've set some crazy alarm times for conference calls with Kenya and Western Australia. That's when you see moonrise and sunrise. Today is not one of those days, but more than a few recent ones have been. And if trends continue, many forthcoming ones will be too. Armed with that awareness, I finally end this story of a season in regenerative hemp with the invocation that while you're jamming to help humanity, including your kin, survive, you're also enjoying the ride. I hope you check yourself every couple of days to make sure you're prioritizing your family over all else and even taking the odd afternoon off to get on the lake or whatever. Because, as John Lennon says, pretty soon you're going to be dead. To my human kids who are two of this book's proofreaders, I'd like to officially say that, no, this praise of lollygagging does not mean that you can skip homeschool lessons. Hmm. Unless, of course, it does. Hmm. There's always a plan B. And where there is a plan B, there is hope. All right. Well... Plan B for today, I guess, to actually just get out there and do your duties. Do what you want to do. Be you. Just be you. Um, but 
Thank you so much for tuning in to Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. Each and every week, we love coming and bringing news and entertainment and marijuana, cannabis, weed, hemp, whatever, all of it, everything. <laughs> and educate. And do it kindly. People listen better that way, I guess. <laughs> See you next week. Bye, Reggae Ryan and Grand Island. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.